This is the message I've been waiting on for a while now, and it's funny because I couldn't, you know, we preached through the armor of God, we, we preached through the Beatitudes, and as I got about halfway through the Beatitudes, um, I really started seeing all this coming together, and it was really the Beatitudes, which is really kind of like what lit the fire on me to, to, to really dive into what is church, what is it. We've been saying it for a while, you know, we've, We've had a goal and a desire here to get to where God wants us to be and to be the, the people that He's called us to be. And, and so it's really just, it was really just like mashing one domino and all of a sudden, you know, a million start falling. It was really just that simple. Um, and it was the Beatitudes. And it's weird because I had heard, it's like I started preaching the Beatitudes, which is something I would have never thought I would have done, but I just, felt like that's what God was telling me to do, preach through the, through the Beatitudes. And I would read them, and I would read them, and I would read them, and I was kind of like, you know, I, I kind of get it, but I kind of don't get it. It kind of seems simple. And, and I don't know what was it, just a few weeks ago, Tara came out of the bathroom, and I said, I just got it. I just, I just got it. Like I understood what God, what Jesus was saying through the Beatitudes. And when I did, it just, and we're going to get there, uh, but I'm not going to give you the punchline without telling you the, the story. I'm not going to give you the end. We're not going to, we're not going to skip right straight to the end and put on the shirt that says, we went in end because I've read the end of the book. We're going to go through the book uh, because I think it's all important. So with that said, um, I've been writing and writing and writing and writing and, and I thought, you know, and you get in Google Docs, you got to give it a head and I thought, I need a, I need a title for this. And so it's, it's changed from healthy church to all these different things. And then one day, Lord just said, here's what I want you to call this. And so if, if this is a sermon series or if it's a, you know, if it winds up being a podcast series or whatever, if it winds up being a book, I, I don't know what the Lord will do with this, but it's going to be called Under His Feet. And that's what we're going to call it, Under His Feet. Um, this is not going to be something that, we're going to finish up next week. Uh, this could go on for months. I, I really, I really don't know. Um, I'm not going to say a lot of things that you ain't never heard. I, I, I'm probably not going to. Um, I've heard them all my life, and you probably have too. But it's not so much how we hear it is how it speaks to us. That's going to be the key, is it speaking to us. So um, one of the first things I wrote down is before we even start, you know, I'm going to ask you to do something crazy. And that's that try to put, put everything out of your mind that you think you know about church. Okay, try to, try to put it to the side. I'm not asking you to throw it away. I'm not asking you to get rid of traditions and, and, and you know, um, that kind of thing. But, I want us to start from the ground up. I want us to start building what God intended the church to be. And in order to do that, if we were, if we were really going to do that, we, we've got a massive jump on a lot of people. Because if, if a lot of churches wanted to go back and start from the ground up, they've got a lot of walls to tear down. They've got a lot of new foundations to pour. Um, and I think, I think that God, since He's been working with us, um, that He's put us kind of in a, in a good place. 
And, it, and it's not that everything we do is wrong, it's not that everything we do is bad, or everything we do is off target. But it's also not that we're killing it either. Everything isn't alright. It isn't all good. And it isn't all on target. And that's where we want to get it to. Um, so we do, you know, we do, we have a massive desire to see all of this become what God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit wants the church to become. What He intended for it to become. That is, that should be our number one goal, is to become what the Trinity wanted the church to become. Uh, and, and there's no way that we can do that without Him. There's no way that we can become the, the salt and that we can become the light that He called us to be if we don't understand what He called us to be. And so that's, that's what we're going we're gonna to talk about. Uh, the reality is, if the church doesn't become what God intended, and we're going to see that it was God's plan. We're going to see that. Um, Jesus enacted the plan and the Holy Spirit is continuing that plan uh, along with us that it's not a trophy. It, 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 it's not a reward. It's not. We're not doing it. The end goal is not to get to heaven. That's not. That's not your end goal, Nikki. That's not. That's not your end goal. Is for you to get there. The end goal is to get as many people there as we possibly can. The end goal is to restore a fractured and broken relationship between mankind and God Almighty. That's, that's, that's the goal. Um, because that's, as we're going to see, that's it. So if, I'll start out with this question. What, what is church? And you can just, you think about this in your mind. What, what is church? What does it mean to be the church, to come to church? You know, it's, and as a church, what is our mission? And how do we accomplish this mission? I mean, what does a healthy church even look like? I mean, when you drive down the road and you look over there at a church building and you... How do you know if that's a healthy church? How do you know? Um... So we, we have a lot of, of, of questions that we need to answer. And so I, as I begin to think, God, I, there's so many places to start. There's so many places that we could just jump right into. And uh, so I prayed and I said, God, where do I start? I mean, where, where do we start? And he, he spoke and he said, Genesis. Chapter 1, verse 1. That's where you start. That's where it all started. Um, so that's, that's kind of what we're going to do. And, but before we get into that, remember today's the introduction. So we're going we're gonna to go through a lot of information today. And then we're going to go back and we're going to break a lot of things down. Um, 
But the first thing I want you to understand is, is the Bible is the Word of God. It was inspired by God. It was written by man. But I also want you to know, and you can write this down, the Bible is a history book. It's, 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 a, it's a book of the history of creation, mankind. It's God's story. It, it, it tells a history. It's His story. It's the story that God chose to tell. And He, he put it on the, man, the heart of men. They penned it. And it's history. From, from Genesis to Revelations. Now, not all of this history has happened yet. Some of it has yet to happen. But it's going to happen. But the majority of it has, has already taken place. Um, and that's important. It's important for you to understand all that. Uh, and, and you kind of, you, I think you guys probably kind of understand um, what I'm talking about. As well, I'll just use Tara as an example. Um, as we go through this, I, I anticipate a lot of different emotions within you. Okay, um, some guilt, as we talked about just a minute ago. Some some fears, some anxieties, and and I think those are okay. I think those are okay. Um, as me and Tara talked through some of this, um, she began going back to the book. Once you see, she she was like, "Ah, this book makes me wonder if I'm even saved." And I and I said, "I, I get it. Did me too. Makes me wonder. You know what?" What have we been doing this whole time? Um, so as we go through this, you, you know, and, and we look at, at, at probably where we should have been for a long time and we haven't been there. Um, my advice to her was what I felt like the Lord told me. And I got the opportunity to share this with, uh, with a, a guy this, this week who's the youth pastor at his church. And as we began to talk about some of that stuff, he began to confess that Man, I'm I'm a failure, and and of course it led into multiple conversations. And I told him, I said, "Look, I'm going to give you the advice that I felt like the Lord gave me, and that I gave her." And in basketball, when when you're in the middle of a game and and you you mess up and you do really bad, you don't have time to get down on yourself. Like we can't call time out every time. Joe Dirt needs to be picked up. Sometimes he's just got to pick himself up and he's just got to keep going. But in order to do that, because we only get five timeouts a game, we may just yell, hey. And so it, it's kind of, it's, I didn't come up with it, I didn't create it, but it's, hey, next play. Come on, next play. And so that's the mentality that I kind of want you to go into is if you start battling these emotions, I want you to go through them. I want you feel guilty. I want you to go, man, I've dropped the ball. I want you to see where you are. And you're probably right alongside of every one of us walking down this same road. 
But I also want you to go, there, there ain't no going, I've blown it. No, it's next play. Next play, forget about that, it's over. Yesterday's gone. There's no fixing yesterday. There's fixing today, and there's preparing for tomorrow. Yesterday's gone. So it, it's next play from here on out. Um, I was actually going to make me a shirt said next play. And I thought, well, as usual, I didn't have time. All right. So under his feet encompasses everything church related, everything God related. And I, and, and the reason, um, I tell you what, Ty, go up and th- throw up the Ephesians 4. And when you see this, and you may know exactly what the scripture is, but, but you may not. Um, but it's, it's really kind of the staple of it all. Um, and then we're going to get into all this. Not working. Okay. And God placed all things under His feet. What did He place under His feet? All things. What does all things encompassate? Everything. Tell me something, Chuck, that ain't under His feet. Who placed it there? How are we going to argue with that? How are we going to stand against that? How are we going to say, well, yeah, but... And He appointed Him. Who? Who's Him? Jesus. To be head over how much? Everything for the church. Now, you could preach on that right there for probably a few weeks. Um... But what, what God showed me was, listen, this is it. If you guys could understand this, then you've got it. But this is not simple. It, it, it isn't, this isn't, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that, that that's, we're, we're talking about, this is universal. The church isn't, on section line road. Does that make sense? The church is universal. Somewhere on the other side of the world, there's a group of people gathered together. They will be gathered together. Um, so, that's kind of the, the, the foundation. This is, God built this. Not, not man, and, and, and not, Jesus, this was God's plan from the beginning. And we're going to see that. God placed everything under His feet. And He placed Christ as the head of the church. And so that's, that's who we are and that's what we're representing. Um, so now we'll jump back into the regular ones. Um, I didn't make this up. I I tweaked this a little bit, I added to this, um, and I made this kind of what I felt like that God was trying to show us. Um, And you're going to want to write these down. Um, 
different people call them different things. I, I, you might say points in history. Points in, remember, the Bible is a history book. From Genesis to Revelations, I've, I've counted for seven what I call markers. So these are markers. These mark points in history that changed everything. Okay? And, and when I say they changed everything, they literally changed everything. Okay? World War I may have changed everything. World War II, those, those are, we're talking about history. We're talking about um, biblical. Uh, number one, number one is creation. That's our number one marker. I'm going to give you a second to write that down. Number two, and I put the in front of every one of mine too, so it's the creation. Number two is the fall. Fall, F-A-L-L, the fall. And number three is the election. Number four is the law. Number five is the redemption. Remember, these are markers in history. Uh, is it six? I can't remember. Number six is six is the church. I had a hard time coming up with a name for number seven because, uh, so I just labeled it the return. Um, I read a, uh, as I, as I kind of was, I heard somebody say it, I can't remember where I heard it, but, uh, they called it the fall and the redemption. Uh, and so that, that was their, you know, everything is, is, is within those two. But as I began to dig, I thought there's just more to it than just, than just that. So what we're going to talk about, uh, and I'm going to give you just a brief. I'm, I'm, I'm on good time here. I'm going to go through these quick. So remember, we're coming back to each one of them because everything that we're going to need to learn takes place within one of these markers. Everything that we're going to talk about... Um, so creation, Genesis um, chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Um, he created animals. He created... Um, all of this is scriptural. Uh, everything that we're going to see is, is good. He created um, man and He created woman. Um, but it all started in the beginning by God creating the heavens and the earth. Okay, so God created. He he built uh, an, a paradise. It was it was it was flawless. It was perfect. Um, you probably could have put another marker in there, um, but it would have been it would have preluded. Pre, I can't say that word. Prelude. What is the word? It it would have come before. Creation, and 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 really, that was the rise uh, that took place in in heaven between Satan, between Lucifer and God, and he was kicked out. Um, but God created the earth, and 
The Bible goes on to tell us that after he finished, he looked at all he had created, all. And he saw that it was good. Okay? Um, chapter 1 takes us through all of creation. Okay, it takes us through all of creation. Chapter 1, chapter 2. Um, it's funny because as a, I, I, I never knew this as a kid, but if you go through chapter 1, it takes you through all of creation. And then if, as you go back into chapter 2, it actually takes you more into a, an account of the creation of Adam and Eve. Um, but Adam and Eve didn't come after the seventh day. Does that make sense? Adam and Eve were actually created in the six days that, that God rested on the seventh. Um, but that is, that is creation. Um, God created, he, he put Adam, he, he did put Adam and Eve in the garden. It says he put them in the, in the garden to take care of it. It was paradise. We know that, that God would, would come down through, through later scriptures that God would come down and he would walk with Adam and Eve. He would spend time with them. And we don't really have a lot more details about that, but we do know that he did that. Um, but we know it was a perfect relationship. Um, and it's kind of, it, it feels weird to say this, but there was, there was no sin. There was no sin. There was, there was one, one command. One. And God told him, look, you can, it's yours. You can have it. There's every, look, you, you guys understand there's, there's, there's trees that bear fruit in other parts of the world that you've never heard of. There, there's different kind of nuts and, and, and trees and, and then vegetables and fruits and stuff that, that you've never heard about. Like you get that, right? In the, in the garden, it says there was every kind of tree. So there was every kind of fruit, every kind of nut, every kind of... They had it all at their hands, at their fingertips. But God said, but of one tree you cannot eat of its fruit. And it's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Um, and so they had one command, and that was it. One. And, and so they had this perfect union, this perfect relationship between God and man. And anytime we say man, we're just talking about humans. That's just, I'm just, I've got so used to saying it like that because that's the way the Bible words it, um, that of mankind. It's a perfect relationship. So then what happens? It brings us to our next marker, the fall. Uh, Here's what I put, I put that man just destroyed a perfect relationship. When they took a bite, one bite from the forbidden tree of the forbidden fruit. And that, that right there is the fall of mankind. And it is a marker in history that changed everything. And it didn't just change it, it's still changed to this day. We still are living in a fallen world. And we're going to be in a fallen world for a while. God comes down to walk to, to walk in the garden and, he, and He's... And, and believe me, when God was going, hey, where are y'all at? It ain't like God didn't know. 
Okay, so let's, you know, people say, well, I thought God knew everything. Okay, this it's, it's is written. This is a, this is a story. Um, so, God tells us uh, through the Word that, that He comes down. He, he asks them, where y'all at? Adam cries out, we're over here, we're hiding because we're naked. And God says, who told you that you was naked? You've been naked this whole time and you ain't never even known it. So who told you you was naked? Uh, you got Genesis chapter 3, Ty. We'll, we'll kind of get into that, get ready for that. Uh, and Eve says, well, the serpent deceived me. And Adam says, she did it. She did it. And I was talking to them, I was, we were, as we were talking this morning, we, we kind of went back to Genesis 2, and we was talking about how that um, a lot of firsts took place in chapter 3. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from the tree in the garden? Just keep going, roll with me. And the woman said, we may eat from the trees in the garden, but God did say, you must not eat from the tree in the middle of the garden, and you must not even touch it, or you will die. So when the woman, I'm going to skip down to verse 6, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, she basically took it and... The Bible says she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Um, skip down to verse 11, Ty. This is, this is I'm going to start 10. This is basically God says, where are you in verse 9? And, and Adam says, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked so I hid. In verse 11, God said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? And the man said, The woman did it. The woman you, this is your fault. You did this, God. That's funny, but I mean, that's, the, that's what Adam's saying. The woman you put here with me, she... She gave me some fruit from the tree, and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this you have done? And the woman said, Serpent did it. He deceived me. He lied to me. He, he deceived me, and I ate it. So the Lord God said to the woman, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock. All wild animals, you will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers and he will crush your head and you will strike his feet. And then he goes on and he says, by the sweat of the brow and in childbirth, you're going to have pain and you're going to work 
you're going to deal with thorns and you're going to deal, but you're going to work the ground and it's going to be by the sweat of your brow. Ain't no more, ain't no more coming in here and eating off my trees for free. You're going to work for it. And so what we see here is we see the first deception. We see the first blame. We see the first counterattack. And we see the first curse. All of this takes place right here. And then it rolls into several more curses. Alright. So that's the fall. You get it. Now we're going to go to the election. This is going to get a little shorter as each one goes. Alright, so what is the election? It's our, our, I wanted to, call, I really wanted to call it the chosen, but because of the TV show that we're watching called the chosen, I didn't want anybody to think that we we're talking about a TV show. So, uh, Paul uses the word election. He uses the word the elect. Um, so the election, what is it? Uh, you can flip over to Genesis chapter three. I mean, Genesis chapter 12. And this is the best way to describe it. I'm going to read it because I, I feel like I've done a really better job. I can read it. So, Whenever there is a broken relationship, okay, if one person wants that broken relationship fixed, then somebody has to put forth an effort to fix that broken relationship. At least one person has to put forth an effort. Um, in, in, in our case, we are in a fallen relationship. We're in a fallen world. We have a broken relationship with God. It was perfect. Man broke it. So now we live in a broken relationship. Um, it needs fixing. Somebody has to fix this relationship. Okay? But as you know, relationships are not always easy to fix. It takes two parties to fix a broken relationship, not just one. But it takes somebody at least initiating whatever it is. And so, in, in Genesis chapter 12, um, the Lord God said to Abram, go from your country, your, your people and your father's household to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you I will curse and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Okay? So what we see right there is that God just initiated Fixing this broken relationship. Okay? I'm going to show you how. This is the, this is the, the restoration. This is the choosing. God chose Abram. Abram would be the father of Israel and the Jewish people. And through those people, Jesus would be born, and out of Jesus would come redemption, which is our next marker. So what God told him 
is a promise, and this is what I want you to see. This is awesome. Like this is this is this is really good. All people on earth will be blessed through you. What? First of all, this took place five, six thousand years ago. That's like the revelation prophecy that says that all people all over the world will, will see the two witnesses lie dead in the street for three days. That wasn't possible 50 years ago, 100 years ago. It certainly wasn't possible 2,000 years ago when John wrote it. It was impossible back then for the entire world to look on as the two witnesses lay, lay dead in the street for three days. Y'all get that? It was a prediction of something to come. Now, we don't even think twice about that. We go, that's easy. Internet, Wi-Fi, phones, this, all this. So God, 5,000, 7,000, however many years ago it was, probably seven, eight thousand 8,000 years ago, made this prediction, made this promise, this prophecy, that through Him, all people on earth would be blessed. So how does that take place? It takes place through Jesus Christ. That's how all people get blessed. This is the key to everything. Because until this promise to Abram is fulfilled, God can't come back. It has to be fulfilled in order for God to be able to come back. So this was a promise that was made thousands of years ago that Jesus came to fulfill or to do His part in and then leave, pass that torch to the church. The church would continue Jesus' work and when this promise is fulfilled, then God can come back. He can't come back until all peoples on earth have been blessed. What is that blessing? It's, it's fixing a broken relationship. It's fixing that broken... That's what he's talking about. He's not... And, and, and you can't misunderstand what I'm saying. He's not saying until... So you can get to heaven. That's not the goal of sharing the gospel is to get somebody into heaven or to get somebody out of hell. That was never God's goal. God's goal was to fix a broken relationship. That's the goal. So when we, when we share the gospel as in, do you want to go to heaven or do you want to go to hell? As I've stood up here and said many times, that's kind of a no-brainer. question is, do you, want to, do you want to fix a broken relationship between you and your Creator or do you want to stay in a broken relationship? That's really the question. Um, that's why this, what, we're, what we're, we're talking about and what we're going to learn about can change your life. Because, listen, once you get your free ticket to heaven, what's the point? What's the point? I'm going. Struggles in life get too hard? I'm going to heaven. What do I care? You're confronted with, I should or shouldn't do this. I mean, really, honestly, who really cares? I'm going to heaven. When you look at it from that point of view, it doesn't really matter. When you, when you care, when you get to a point where you have a heavenly Father that you just do not 
want to disappoint. That you do not want to exit this good relationship that you have now. That you love Him to the point that you're going to let Him lead you. Now you've got something to lose. But if you believe in once saved, always saved, what does it matter? It doesn't. And so it doesn't, it doesn't bring out the true nature of what the church really is. And that's a continuation of what Jesus came to do. To fulfill a promise that God made to restore a broken relationship that started in Genesis. I hope all that makes sense. I know it was fast. I'm going to finish this up real quick. So in order to do that, He chose, He elected a person and a group of people that would bring that about. Now, that leads into the next marker, which is the law. I'm not going to say about a lot about this. Uh, the law was brought in to teach us about obedience. It was brought in to teach us about obedience. Obedience to God is also a mirror that you yourself can look at to determine how you look. How do you fit into this? The law was difficult. It wasn't just complicated. It was difficult. It was difficult to keep then. It's difficult to keep today. And it's condemning. That's why people don't like the law. That's why they love to say that Jesus came to abolish the law. That, that He came to do away with the law. That He, that we're, we're no longer under the law. It, it, it's, it's a misrepresentation of what really took place. We talked about that. Uh, had a, we had a message on that uh, not long ago. Why did Jesus come? He came to fulfill the law. The law required a sacrifice. The law, this is God's law. We're going to talk about that. Uh, but for right now, Romans three nineteen and 20 says, Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world, that same whole world, that the whole world may be held accountable to God. For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since, listen to this, through the law comes the knowledge of sin. Right? So there is what the law is for. The, knowledge bring, the law brings about the knowledge of sin. You cannot be saved if you don't know that you're in trouble. You have no idea you need a Savior if you don't know that you need saving. Uh, Psalms 19.7 says that the law of the Lord is perfect. So it's perfect. So our next marker comes redemption. This is, I'm going to, I, I spent a little bit too much time on it. I apologize. Um, so just bear with me. We're almost done. Give me just an extra five minutes. The redemption, um, the prophecies, you've read them, the, the Bethlehem, the, all the Isaiah 53, 5, 4 and 5, um, the prophecies foretold of a coming of a Messiah, what, one that would set things right. What, what is he setting right? He's setting right that broken relationship that took place in the garden. Uh, so you've heard the prophecies. Jesus would be born of a virgin, be born in Bethlehem. Uh, we know that he lived a sinless life. He was crucified, resurrected, and ascended into heaven. And right now he sits at the right hand of the Father. This, that's the overview of Jesus' life. Okay? 
born of a virgin, uh, born in Bethlehem. That's, that's the overview, and that is the story of redemption. Okay? Um, here's the difference, and I want you to see this real quick. I'm just going to say it fast. So I'm, I know y'all's pen, fingers and pens are smoking. You're probably not going to get all this down. The redemption is still ongoing. It's still ongoing. The cross is done. The resurrection is done. But redemption is still going. Okay? Creation is done. God has rested. Seventh day has come. Um, the fall, done. Once you fall, there is no falling again. The only way you can fall again is if you get back up. We haven't got back up from the fall yet. For Eight, nine thousand years, we've been down from the fall. We haven't recovered from it yet. So the fall is done. Uh, the election done. God has already chosen Abram. He's chosen Israel. He's chosen Israel. It's done. The law done. Given Moses brought down. He shared it. The law is done. The redemption, though, however, is still ongoing. Okay? And as we're going to see next, as we go move into the next marker, because as I shared with you earlier, Ephesians 4 takes place between the redemption and the church. Okay, It's, it's kind of the peanut butter and jelly sandwich. The, the, the redemption is the bread and the church is the bread. And Ephesians 4 takes place, it's the peanut butter and jelly in the middle of it. Um, so the church is still ongoing and the last one, which is the return, is yet to come. So of all the great markers throughout the history book of the Bible, they've all either com been complete, they're ongoing, only one is yet to come. So between markers of redemption and church, we have Ephesians uh, 1, 22 and 23, which says, "...and God placed all things under His feet." We've already kind of been over that. Um, Jesus said, "...for I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of Him." who sent me. It was God's will to restore and fix a broken and fractured relationship. There, that's the gospel. That's the gospel. Um, we're going to get into more on that. Look, I'm, uh, we get to the church. This is, this is us. We're in this story. You and I are in this story. This is beautiful. Um, it's the church. It's the Ecclesia, the when you break this down, it's ek is, is is one of the Greek words, and it means out. It means out, and then you get the the kaleo, which means to call. So what the church is is it's ek kaleo, which means to be called out. Called out from what? To call, be called out from the world. To be called out and to be separated, and to be an assembly. That's what the church is. It is an ecclesia. Uh, the outcome of being called out, this is beautiful. This is awesome. In other words, God calls out. He calls you out. He calls me out. He calls Billy Bob out. He calls us out. That's why there's no Billy Bob here. Um, he calls us out. And the result is church. That's, that's the beautiful thing. 
church is not a blueprint or a design. Church is a group of people being called out of the world and being called to be the continuation of what Jesus came to do for the Father. You got to think, that's pretty awesome. That is, that is pretty awesome. We're a body of believers whom God calls out from the world and into His kingdom. Yes, we're, we're saved, we're born again, we're sanctified. But it's so much more than that. And the reality is, is we have millions and millions of brothers and sisters out there who have no idea about any of this stuff. They have no idea. They've never heard about Jesus. They've been sharing a, a, a terrible, misleading gospel that gives them hope and security in something that don't even exist. They've been, they've been led to, to, to follow a Jesus that, that doesn't exist. A Jesus that just accepts everybody. A Jesus, a God that would never send anybody to hell. My God would never do that. And so they're, they're following all this stuff and, and we've got the answer and yeah, we've, we've got to share it. So, and as I said earlier, it isn't American, it isn't Jewish, it's, it's universal. It's universal. You guys are entering the same battle that somebody over in China is in right now. And as, as the book says, in uh, Yemen and, and, and all these places, it's the continuation of Jesus Christ's work through the Holy Spirit in an ongoing, living, breathing body to the end. You're in it till you take your last breath. You can quit. You can. But that's not the call. The call is to the end. And then obviously we have the return, which is the end of the story as we know it. It's the end. Jesus comes back. We get a little more in the millennial reign and all that, but for the most part, the Bible's done. And when God starts writing a new book, and that's, 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 that's the return. And, and that, is, that is what we're going to be talking about and discussing and uh, we haven't we haven't scratched the surface. Um, that's why I said I, this could go on for months. Um, but here's the thing, and 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 I'm gonna leave you with this, and, and I'm gonna close. If you simply come in and sit down, and you think of this as knowledge that you're not going to apply, nothing is going to change in your life. This is life changing information this is the this is the information that takes somebody from being a casual church member to a radical the first thing Tara asked me was she said does this mean we got to sell everything and move no no let me tell you something there's a mission field right here and I'm gonna tell you what I I, I I almost would be willing to, to stake my reputation, and it may not be a good one, but I do have a few people in this world like me. But I would almost be willing to stake my reputation on it that, that I almost think we need more missions here in America than we do in other countries, people. This place is warped. 
It, it's bad, warp ain't it, Nikki? It's so bad. As I was sharing with the people, I asked him this morning, I said, why? As we were talking about something similar to this, I said, why do people put emphasis on Jesus if they believe Jesus sinned? Why not follow, follow Martin Luther? Why not let him be your God? Why not let Billy Graham be your God if you want it to be church-related? Why not let Roosevelt, George Washington, Abraham Lincoln, why, why are you following Jesus? Why do you call yourself a Christian, which literally means follower of Christ? Why are you following somebody if he ain't God? And so the reality is, is that we got a lot of people that are. They're following him and they don't even believe he's God. And so this is what the church is called into. So um, we'll start back next week. We'll start back with the creation. Listen, go back and read Genesis 1 through 3 and read it like six or seven times and look at it. And you're going to see some crazy stuff in there. Um, we're not going to spend a lot of time on creation, uh, but the fall is, is going to be pretty big. But creation is. Is, is pretty awesome too. Um, we may combine, we may start the fall before we get out of creation on day one, uh, but we'll wait and see about that. Um, anybody have any thoughts or questions, comments?